Welcome to the house of God. Thank you, team, worship team. So good that you could lead us into worship, and we believe that worship is a powerful thing, especially in these days. I feel that worship is coming to the forefront, and uh, yeah, we need to be people who truly worship God in spirit and in truth. That's what the word says. That's what the kind of of worshipers that God is looking for. So, um, so glad that you're here today. I'm not sure we should wear these glasses or not. It's my wife's, but uh, we share many things, don't we? You know, that's the way it is when you're husband and wife and you do things together and you share life together. And as the people of God, we're called to share life together. It's so good to be together. Don't you agree with that? You know, we're into a brand new series called Be the Church. You know, before we continue, let's bow our heads Let's commit this time to God. Thank you, Father, for your holy presence in this place. If it wasn't for you being in this place, it'd be dead and dry. But you make all the difference. Your presence, just invite your Holy Spirit and speak to speak through us, through your word today. Wake us up, Holy Spirit, to what you're trying to do in this world and through us today and for us today, too, as well. So, Father, bless the word as it's preached. Give us ears to hear, <clears throat> hearts to believe, and the feet to put it into action. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. 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 <clears throat> We're talking about being the church. And today I'm going to talk about breaking unseen barriers. Let me start by saying this. If there was ever a time to be the church, it's now. If there was ever a time to be what the Bible calls us, the word the ecclesia, it's a Greek word, it's a Greek word for the church, gathered ones, called out ones, if there's ever a time to be ecclesia, it's right now. I believe that you and I are living in times when we are actually seeing history being made, history in the working. And I believe, like many of the body of Christ believes, as we put our ear to the Lord and to see and observe and say, God, what are you doing? I believe truly there is an awakening that's happening on the earth. And it could be the beginning of the great awakening that we're seeing and right now, we're seeing, we're hearing reports of God is move, starting to move in every nation of the world. And you just got to be, you just got to check the sources and hear all the reports of what God is doing in Arab countries, in, in places that we never thought God would move. God is moving. And sometimes it's even so, so, sovereignly, sovereignly. But listen, if God is going to move, he's going to move to his hands, feet, his voice, through his church, the body of Christ. There's a great awakening, and it's taking place everywhere in the world, and it's also been stated that this is, a, this is a coming revival that could spread faster than any other revival in the history of this earth. Let me tell you, we are living in extraordinary times. And the church, there's such an emphasis on being the church today, and that's why I want to do this series and then the Bible describes the church in the last days. Are we living in the last days? Absolutely. We can define that many ways. I'm going, won't go into how we define it, but I know 
even in the, just looking in the word, this is the last days. And the Bible describes the church in the last days of Micah, chapter 4, 1 to 3. And the prophet Micah says, and this is, by the way, this is also repeated also identically in the book of Isaiah. In the last days, the mountain of the Lord's temple would be established as the highest. Another version says the chief. If you're the chief, who are you? You're the one with authority. You're the one that makes decisions, right? In the last days, the church will be established as the highest of the mountains. It will be exalted above the hills, and all nations, all nations will stream to it. Many peoples will come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the temple of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways so that we may walk in his paths. The law will go out from Zion, the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. Saints, people of God, we have to understand that the church, the church is the living, is, it is the manifestation of the living God in this earth. The church represents God. It is the manifestation of living God in this world and that we are called into this manifestation in the way that we live with and the way that we respond to each other. In other words, how we treat one another. It's called the Beatitudes, right? It's called the fruit of the Spirit. We are that manifestation in the way that we live with and the way that we respond to one another and also to the culture outside the four walls of these church. And as we take part in this manifestation, we will see things begin to change. On the day that the church was born, and that was the day of Pentecost, when Peter stood up to address the crowd, and he started quoting verses from the Old Testament prophet Joel. Acts 2.17 Peter said, in the last days, God says, God said, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. And in verse 19, he went on to say, and I will cause in the heavens, I will cause wonders in the heavens above and on the earth below, signs and wonders. God manifests himself, manifests himself in supernatural ways through signs, wonders, and miracles. And he'll do it through his people. God wants to use his people to do what Jesus called the greater works of God. But listen, I believe that first he's looking for a people. He's looking for churches who can contain and who can carry this power. People who have developed within themselves the character and the nature of Jesus Christ, his son. We are to have the character that is necessary to be the carriers of this great coming revival. Amen? Are you on track with me? 2 Peter chapter 2, verses 20 to 22, this is the amplified version, says, Now in a large house there are not only vessels and objects of gold and silver, but also vessels and objects of wood and earthenware. Some are for honorable good, noble use, some are for, some for dishonorable, ignoble common. Therefore, 
If anyone cleanses himself from these things which are dishonorable, disobedient, sinful, he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified, set apart for a special purpose, useful to the master, prepared for every good work. God is telling us we are to be vessels of honor, honor suitable for the master's purposes. Vessels he can use to do the greater works of God. He wants to transform us, but first he needs to transform us into the nature of his son. I believe that this will happen. This can happen. If we, as people of God, we will just surrender and we will just yield to God and just ask him to transform us. And he'll do it. It doesn't matter how deep. Can I say this? It doesn't matter how much of a sinner you think you are or how deep your sin or how horrible sin. Nothing is beyond the power of God to transform a sinner into a believer of Christ who serves God and honors him. Amen? You are not beyond God. No matter what background, what your history was, what your family background is, where you are right now, in your sins or your addictions, whatever, God has the power to transform you. If you just get before God, humble yourself and say, God, change me because I cannot do it myself. He did it to me. The worst of sinners. I was like Paul. I could identify that with that. I'm ashamed. I'm ashamed to even tell people what I did in my past, but I'm so excited to tell them what he did with my life and, he, and, and where I am today. Amen? God has the power to transform, and he'll do it. He's looking to use you, but he needs to do something in your life so you can do even greater things for God. God can use us as any state. But listen, the more we get closer to God, the more we get our lives aligned with God's words and God's principles, the more that God can use us. I say this because if there's anything the world needs to see, it's Jesus. The world needs to see Jesus, and he needs to see the world needs to see Jesus in us. And the world needs to see his love, his mercy, his forgiveness flowing out of his church instead of judgment and criticism and religion. They need to see the love of Jesus Christ. Do you agree with that? They need to see Jesus in our churches in a way they've never seen it before. Amen? You know, how many of you have seen the Jesus revolution? How many have seen it? Not enough. You all need to go and see it. Isn't that a powerful movie? It's an incredible movie. It's, about, it's, a, it's almost like it's a, it's a movie. It's also, it's, it's also a documentary in a way that it's, it's, it's actually, it, it tells, it reminds us of what took place in the 1960s into the 1970s in North America. It's about young people, young people, youth looking for truth and looking for purpose. And it's also about a church called Calvary Chapel in California and about a pastor who was really challenged to open up his, the doors of his church to a stream of wandering youth that were caught up in counterculture, ideals, in drugs, you know, and, and, and alcohol, and, 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 and in music. And what we see is a counter, what we see is a, that was a counterculture movement that becomes, that became the greatest spiritual awakening in America. Amen? You know, and it was, it was the religious establishment. It was broad, the broad general churches 
that had created these unseen barriers that said literally off limits to people, especially the, to the, the Jesus people, the, the hippies. But, that, but thank God for the pastor, Chuck Smith. You know, this is that's Kelsey Grammer on, in the movie, but Chuck Smith, you know, he opened up his doors to his church and he invited these young people to come in. And him doing that caused a flood of people to literally, you know, come into his churches and it caused other churches to pay attention. And they too let down that barrier and a flood of young people poured into the churches across America, across every state, and right up in here in Canada. And maybe some of you are a product of that movement. Amen? Some of us older ones. Let me, let me tell you, that happened then. It's beginning to happen now. I say, Lord, let it come here. Let it come here. Let it come to Lethbridge. Let it come to our schools. Why not us, Lord? And why not now? Amen? Is that the cry of your heart? If that's not a cry of your heart, check your pulse. Check your pulse. Thank you. Thank you. Amen. Amen. Let me tell you, Jesus is coming to shake his church. He's checking us out. He wants to develop in us the very character, nature, the integrity, the honor, the honesty that was in his son. He wants to create a unified church who have each other's back. Unified, together, one mind, one heart, and one purpose. Amen? He wants factions, divisions, gossip. He wants to get rid of that, clean his church up. And it's, and it's happening. God is moving on the church. He's, he's, he's creating us, he's preparing us for the greatest end time move of God. And we're heading to the most exciting days of our church life. And I'm going to tell you, we're going to see and find out it's not church as usual anymore. To reach this world, we're going to have to be like Jesus. And we're going to have to break through some barriers that, that are unseen and invisible to us, but they exist. Right? So they, we do that. Why? So people could hear the powerful message of God's love. Amen? That's the good news. And everyone, everyone, needs Jesus. Amen? Everyone needs a home to belong to at the church. I just want to say this morning, no matter where you're from, or no matter how you got here, I am so glad that you're here. You know? You belong here. You know? You are welcome here. You belong here. I mean, this is a great place to grow up in your faith in Jesus Christ, isn't it? You know, this church, we, we are a church for everyone. But I almost want to say this. That as everyone, we are all called to engage your culture the way that Jesus engaged culture. Jesus, when he came to this earth, he went and he engaged the culture. He went and he crossed unseen and invisible borders in order to reach people. And literally, he broke through. I don't give you five major barriers that Jesus had to break through in order to influence the people of his time. These are five barriers that, that we have to cross if we are going to reach our culture. Are you ready for these five? Quickly, we'll go through them. First of all, he broke through religious barriers. Think about what Jesus did. The first thing the Pharisees accused him was what? He's eating with sinners and tax collectors. Remember that? Jesus was known to be a rabbi, you know, a priest. And priests and rabbis were not supposed to eat 
with sinners and tax collectors. When you did that, immediately you were unclean, right? Well, one day the Pharisees found Jesus eating with a guy named Zacchaeus, the worst criminal in the land, right? He was the, he was the worst person you could, you could have dinner with or lunch with. Yet, one day with Jesus, just one day with Jesus, changed Zacchaeus, his life forever. And he repented. And he said, listen, if I've cheated anyone, I'll pay back four times what I stole. Jesus broke through religious barriers in order to reach sinners like you and me. Second, he broke through cultural barriers. Remember that story in John chapter 4? Jesus meets this woman at the well. And this woman, she's a Samaritan. In those days, Samaritans would be a little bit higher than, the, than animals. They were known to be as dogs. They called Samaritans dogs. Well, Jesus wasn't supposed to talk to this woman. Number one, first of all, because she was a Samaritan. And also because she was a woman. So here's a woman, so unsatisfied in life. She can get no satisfaction from anything until she finds Jesus. And when she finds Jesus, her whole life changes. And she rushes out immediately. And she tells a whole town about Jesus. Instrumental in leaving a whole town to Jesus Christ. See, Jesus broke cultural barriers. Number three, Jesus broke through the seclusion barriers. You know, the most secluded people living Jesus' time were, you know who they were? They were the lepers. There were so many lepers in Jesus' time. Lepers were castaways, and, and absolutely no one wanted to touch a leper. Lepers were quarantined. They were detached from society, and they were so lonely, so lonely. Lepers were required to wear special clothing, clothing designed with bells in them so that, and sewn into the robes so that it warmed people when, ne- when lepers were, were near. I found out, as I, as I looked into the, some of the, the cultural tendencies towards attitudes towards uh, um, the lepers, it's actually, it actually says that there were laws made that demanded lepers that they had to keep at least 12 steps distance from any person, and they had to put a cloth across their mouth. Does that remind you of anything? Yeah? And they had to yell, unclean, unclean. But Jesus touched the lepers, and he healed them, and he gave them a second chance at life and relationships again. Can you, I said, can you imagine what it's like to have a life without touch, without hugs, without connection? What's that like? Amen? And and listen, I I believe there were lonely people, there were lepers who were so lonely, but I believe there are so many lonely people here today. You know, and, and honestly, as a pastor, and I've talked to other pastors about this, you know, we kind of look back. We look back and we see, you know, and we talk about our churches. And we say, you know, maybe our churches listened more to and, and obeyed the law more than we obeyed the Lord. And we've listened to a, a campaign that possibly, you know, spread more fear about something that we should not have been so afraid of. Amen? And the proof is in the porting in regards to all that we were supposed to fear. You know what the Word of God says? 365 times in a word, do not fear. Do not fear. Fear nothing. Fear only the Lord. Fear, no honor God, no respect God, listen to God, obey God, right? So I say, let's break through the seclusion barrier, the fear and the isolation. Let's break through. Number four, 
he broke through the condemnation barrier. In John chapter 8 is the story of a woman. She's caught in adultery. And the religious crowd began to point their bony finger at all her faults, her sin, and her failures. But Jesus did not point to her failures. He pointed to her future. Amen? And he, and he said to his her, her accusers, if any one of you is without sin, let him be the first to cast, let him be the first to cast that stone. You remember that story? And then John chapter 8, verse 9 says, At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time. The older ones first. Older ones, maybe the older ones were wiser. Maybe they lived longer, right? Maybe they had more sin that they had, that they had to admit to, right? Until only Jesus was left. And the woman was standing there. Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Now go and leave your life of sin. Instead of condemnation, Jesus gave, gave acceptance. You know, when someone opens up to you, if someone opens up to you about their sin, you know, it, it's, it's, it can be so easy to just kind of blink and say, Whoa, what? You know, and even in your mind saying, Whoa, you know, sick and wrong. You can, you can feel that way, don't you? You know, instead of remembering that all of us have fallen short of the glory of God. All of us are sinners. Amen? See, the cross is such a picture of acceptance and love, isn't it? It's about, the, the cross is about arms wide open where Jesus is saying, I love you, I accept you, and I forgive you no matter who you are. Jesus crossed condemnation barriers. Number five, he broke through the age barrier. Back then, adults used to think that kids were not as important. In Matthew chapter 19, 14, Jesus said, Let the little, one, little children come to me, and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. And then he blessed, he, he, laid, his, he put his, laid his hands on them, and he blessed them, and he sent them off, right? Acts chapter 2, verse 17. Peter said, Your young men will see visions, and your old men will dream dreams. Young men see, young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. You know, I frequently meet people who are convinced they're either too young or too old to do something special in the kingdom of God, something dynamic, right? You know, and I want to say, and maybe it's because I, because I hear what God is doing, you know, starting to do in, in, in America, and even in here in Canada with young people, that young people, um, I want to tell you, God wants to use you. God wants to use you now. Right? And, and maybe you've probably heard that, uh, <clears throat> that you're the church of tomorrow, but I want to tell you, you're not the church of tomorrow. You are the church of today. And, and God doesn't want you to wait years and years and years to do something that will impact the world around you. God wants to tell you today, that you're never too old to do something. You're never too old to help people. You're never too old to make a difference in people's life. And I believe that God wants young people in our churches to be alive, to be on fire for Jesus, and to really be busy doing and, and serving for Him. Amen? The word of the Lord, <clears throat> and these are prophetic words that I've heard recently, it talks about, and, and, and I believe this, is, this just resonates in my heart, and I know it's true that God is raising up mighty sons 
and mighty daughters who will live in the resurrection power and will take the gospel of the kingdom into the world. And God is calling young people. He's calling young people who will be the Daniels, the Esthers, uh, the, uh, the Deborahs of today. And that God is reaching into colleges you know, and even into elementary schools. And, and, and God will even reach into sporting events as people gather and they, and they pray and they call upon the Lord. You know, truly I believe that God is going to begin a Jesus revolution right here. God has said, let it come to Canada. Let it come here. Let it come to our city. Amen? Amen. Does that kind of feel, do you, you have that feel in that sense as well? God wants to do something. And if God is doing it over there in America, you know, in Tennessee or Cleveland, that God wants to do it right here in our city, in our town, in our schools. Amen? God, we need, we need God in our schools. We need the, the presence of God in our schools like we've ne- never met, needed before, have we? We've seen the condition, the moral condition of our, our schools. We see what's happening in our education system. God, we need you. God, we need you to come. You know, really, truly, I believe that we're going to see a Jesus revolution. Amen. I've talked to young people. Now I want to talk to older people. Are you ready for this, older people? Older people say, yeah, I'm ready for it. Jim said, give it to me. <laughs> I want to tell you this, old people, you're not really that old. I like what Satchel Page said. Do you know who Satchel Page was? He was a baseball pitcher who pitched his last major league game when he was 59 years of age. <clears throat> that was in 1965. Satchel Page once said, Age is merely a matter of mind. If you don't mind, it doesn't matter. Isn't that great? <clears throat> Age is merely a matter of your mind. If, it, if you don't mind, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how old you are. Satchel Page also often asked people this question. How old would you be if you didn't know how old you are? How old do you feel? If you, look, if you took the mirrors away and you went on what you, you felt, and what's in your heart? Wow, it'd be totally different, wouldn't it? You know, and you know, sometimes I think that older people, just like younger people think that they're the church of tomorrow, older, sometimes older people act like they're the church of yesterday, you know, as, as if their chance or even their obligation to do something in the dynamic and kingdom of God has passed by. I want to tell you, God is a word for you. God is a word for you, for old people. God wants to use you. God wants to use you. God's saying to you, I want you to dream dreams. I want you to dream dreams. I want you to know that you're not through, not by a long shot. God wants to use you today. Amen? You know, and you know, as we get older, we have to guard against this type of thinking that, that all, you know, are, are, you know, like everything is past or my time is past. You know, I'm going to tell you, you're never too old. You're never too old to help people. You're never too old to make a difference. Amen? And besides, I say, and I wrote this down, we need those of you who have been <clears throat> seasoned with God's wisdom over the years to continue to dream dreams for the future of our church. Amen? Amen. And to get involved. Why? Because the best, your best, is yet to come. That's what Leon Fontaine used to tell everyone. Your best is yet to come. 
Yeah, the good old days are over, but who wants the good old when we can have the great new? Amen? The great new of God is coming. Jesus engaged the culture. He embraced people. All people. There's not a person, there's not a nationality, creed, color that Jesus would not embrace. Amen? Jesus engaged everyone. And the problem was never Jesus. The problem was never about the love of God. It's never been Jesus. The problem is, is when we sometimes have this legalism and religion and prejudice that can creep into our churches and we end up literally giving cold shoulder and literally closing the door to people who really need Jesus and who really need a home to belong to. Amen? I think we all have a little, we can all have a little bit of this religious legalism in us, right? Sometimes God checks me on, on that too as well. But you know, I like what someone said. The church is not called to be an enforcer of rules, but rather an outpost of grace. Outpost of grace. I say at City Light Church, let's be a people of grace. Let's show love. Let's show acceptance. Let's show forgiveness to people. Amen? Let's be like Jesus was in the Bible. But at the same time, I say, let's not have this wishy-washy concept that some people have that Jesus kind of like just winks at sin. Oh, sin's okay. No. See, the Jesus I see in the, in the Bible is the Jesus who loves the sinner so much, but at the same time, he hates the sin because that's what destroys our life. And that's the reason why he came, because the wages of sin is death, right? And that's why Jesus came. Do you remember what he said to that, that woman? Neither do I condemn you, but go and sin no more. <clears throat> when I think about it, there can be so many barriers that churches could set up that in the, in, in the minds of people, there, there are hindrances. And they can't, they, some people find it hard to come to church, don't they? A lot of people think that if they come through those doors, they're going to be, immediately they're going to be judged. And some people think that, that, that they're going to see, they're going to, it's, that, that the church is kind of like a clique, that they'll never break into it. Some people will feel condemned. Some people feel that they just can't measure up and they'll never be, so therefore they can't be a part. You know what I say? We, you know, we, sometimes we just, well, all the time, we just need to wrap around, wrap our arms around people and just love them closer to Jesus. Yeah. Just love people. You know, the Apostle Paul, he did this and, and he stated his goal. His goal, he said, is to make it as easy as possible for people to come to Christ. This is what he said in 1 Corinthians 9, 19 and 23. He said, even though I am free of the demands and expectations of everyone. I, I have voluntarily become a servant to any and all in order to reach a wide range of people, religious, non-religious, meticulous moralists, loose living immoralists, the defeated, the demoralized, whoever. I didn't take on their way of life. I kept my bearings in Christ, but I entered their world and tried to experience things from their point of view. I've, I've become just about every sort of servant there is in my attempts to lead those I meet into a God-saved life. I did all this because of the message. I didn't just want to talk about it. I wanted to be in on it. So he we here we see in these words that Paul, Paul went from let, it, let, it, let us not hinder 
do I want to be in on this? In other words, whatever it takes. Because eternity is on the line for people out there. Amen? I remember when, uh, when we were living in Tabor. And I joined the racquetball league. And um, I loved racquetball. And, and we, we w- would get up maybe once, twice every week. And, and there was about maybe 10, 15 guys in this league. And I got to start to know these guys a bit as we talked. And um, every, time, ev- every time we would have a match, we'd end about 9 o'clock, they'd shut the courts down, and I'd go, you know, a little bit later, and, and uh, <clears throat> about 8 o'clock, I'd spend about an hour and play some matches. Thoroughly enjoyed it, so good for my health. But every time, almost every time we finished the match, you know, some one, the, the guy I usually play, paid with, played with would say, hey, why don't you come up to the lounge? There was a lounge up there, it was called Sneakers. Come up to the lounge. No, 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 come up to the lounge and sit with us. And, and, and uh, they said, well, they knew. I said, well, I don't drink. I don't drink alcohol. And they said, well, no, just come up for a Coke. I said, well, just, just come and just chat. They loved to spend that time. And it wasn't a matter that they ever got, you know, overly, you know, they didn't, have, they didn't overdo it with their alcohol, but they just sat and they would talk. And they would talk about maybe a, a three quarters of an hour and they would all go home. But I remember... I, said, I kept saying, no, no, no. What would it look like for a pastor to be sitting in the lounge, you know, and, and with a drink in front of me? Who knows what's in it? Just a Coke could be anything. But you know, the Lord told me, and I really prayed about it, and the Lord told me, you know, sometimes you have to get out of your comfort zone and get in, in, out of your world in order and get into their world. Amen? Sometimes you've got to do that. And you know, I did not have a problem with alcohol. You know, God had totally, did, I did, but God totally, totally delivered me from it. And so I remember going up, and uh, not every time, but I, occasionally I'd go up. And I got to share so much of, of, of my life and what Jesus did in my life. And I know it made an impact in their lives. You know, sometimes we just get a, got to be willing to get out of our world and get into their world in order to take the gospel. And sometimes it's not for everyone. I know if you have a problem with with alcohol and drinking, I don't recommend you do it. But you know, sometimes God leads us to those places. Amen? You know, so I want to just finish off by saying, so like Jesus, let's cross all these barriers, okay? The religious barriers. Let's cross religious barriers. Let me say this. You should have friends in the church for sure, but you need to have friends outside the church who don't know Jesus that you can begin to share him Christ with. Amen? That you're actively pursuing for Christ. We need to cross cultural barriers. Cultural barriers. Do you know, I looked it up, there are over 450, this is Canada, over 450 ethnic or cultural organized um, origins in Canada. Wow, is Canada ever diverse? You know what that means? It means there's all these different people groups and if you have all these different dialects and languages and we're going to in order to connect, connect with them, we've got to break through the language barrier. Amen? But it's all for Jesus. It takes time, but it's all for Jesus, and it's for eternity. And I want to say, if you're a part of an ethnic group, then you need to reach beyond your group to other groups too as well. Jesus crossed seclusion barriers. I want to say, tell everyone that they were welcome to City Light Church. Everyone. And in our church, there should be no clicks. There should always be. It's okay to stand around and have your little click, but invite someone in. Amen? Invite more. Make room for more people. 
cross-condemnation barriers like Jesus. Let's extend grace to everyone. When we hear about sin, don't blink, right? Don't blink. Cross age barriers. Love everyone. We're a church for generations. Amen? Cross everyone. Cross age barriers. Love everyone. Young, old, in between. See, that's our assignment. Let's cross these barriers. And that's our assignment for this week. It's our assignment from now on as a people of God. Do you agree with that? Just want to reiterate just what we said at the start. I truly believe that there is a great awakening beginning to take place. And then we're going to see it everywhere on earth. And if that's the case, we're going to see it right here in our nation, in our province, and on our city. And I'm hoping that what they're saying, what we're believing is right. It could, it will be the greatest outpouring the earth has ever seen. There is a coming revival. And once, I want, once again, I want to say, Lord, let it come here. Can you be that? Can you make that a part of your prayer? Do you remember that, what happened I shared last week about uh, the students from Lee College in Cleveland? Uh, they'd heard about what happened in Ashbury and just, just a handful of students, just eight or nine of them, went to, the, uh, went to the, the head of the school and said, why not here? If it happened in Ashbury, why can't we have a move of God? We're, are you ready for a move of God? You know, we talked and we sing in that song, you know, there's a move of God coming. You know, the move of God means kids, people get saved. That means there's deliverance. That means there's miracles. That means that God is glorified. Amen? I say, let's pray for that. Let's believe for that. I believe that we are going to see people come to Christ in ways we've, in a, in a volume and in, in a mass that we've never seen before. And I think about it, even our church and we as the people of God, you know, we, what, what, what we want is to literally have kind of this big welcome sign over our church. Not only so that the community can see, but one that can be seen from heaven. And God said, I'm sending people to that church. I'm going to send people to the churches. I believe what's going to happen is not just a one thing, a one church thing. I believe what's going to happen is kind of like that fisherman started to fill their nest. They're going to have to call their partner and say, help us because we just don't know what to do with the catch. The harvest is coming. The harvest is coming. And you have a part to play in it. Amen? Do you agree with that? If you agree with that, shout amen. 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 Bow your heads. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. God, you're so good. God, you're so good. God, you called us to be the church. You called us to be like Jesus in this world. Jesus went beyond the boundaries. And sometimes he broke protocols that were religious. Sometimes they didn't really matter, but Father, give us the courage to be out of our comfort zone into the world where real people with shattered, broken lives who desperately need Jesus. Lord, help us to reach those people. Fill us so much with your love with your compassion, your grace, and mercy that it literally flows out of us, not just in feelings and emotions, but in positive, powerful actions of faith. Thank you, Father, for what you're doing, not just in our church, but our churches across our land, North America, churches of that church. Thank you for what you're doing individually 
such a time as this, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Just keep your heads bowed. You know, for someone here, maybe you're here, and you've never accepted Jesus Christ into your heart. I want to tell you, today if you do that, this could be a new day, a new beginning, a new start for you. This is at the time that you can receive hope, not just in this life, but hope right into beyond this life, right into eternity. I want to tell you, if you're here today and you don't know Jesus personally, you never invited him into your heart, put your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ. Put your hope in Jesus. Amen? If that's you and you want to receive Christ today and you may be watching online, then just say this prayer after me. Bow your heads, close your eyes, and repeat after me. Lord Jesus, I invite you into my heart. confidence in the finished work of the, of the cross. Thank you, Jesus, for the shed blood. Thank you for your blood, please, for all my sins. Today, Father, I receive you into my heart. Be Lord and Savior of my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 If you said that prayer for the very first time, I just want you to raise it. If you're here, you said that prayer, raise your hands. Raise your hands. You go, please go back to the connections booth right there. Just connect with one of you. We have someone there who will tell you what your next step of faith in your journey with Christ will be. Salvation is just the very beginning. If you're online, you said that prayer. Welcome to the kingdom of God. Now, first of all, hand at the bottom. We will connect you to tell you to, to, with someone who will tell you what your next step of faith will be to as well. Amen. So good.